John chapter number 17. I'm going to try to be, I don't want to say I'm going to try to be slow. Let me rephrase and say I'm going to take my time and try to be methodical um, as we look at this. And I want to take some time in the afternoon services to be able to look at this subject matter of doctrine as we look into the scriptures. I know we've gone through several things on even what we believe as Baptist, and I believe that does make a difference, and I'm thankful for the doctrine that we hold to from the Word of God. The Apostle Paul reminded Timothy over in 2 Timothy, the second uh, letter that he wrote to him, that there is going to come a time that there's going to be people that will not endure sound doctrine. And so I believe it's in the day and age that we live in as important as ever. I don't want to say it's more important now than ever because doctrine has been important from the time that Christ presented it to us, from we have the Word of God, doctrine is important. Doctrine does divide, okay? And I want to remind us of that, that we're going to look at some things in the Scripture, and may I remind us this is not Chamberlain doctrine, okay? And uh, we are not Chamberlainites around Granite State Baptist Church. Um, we are Bible believers. We are going to look at the Scriptures at these matters. And um, I thought about spending a few weeks on this matter of salvation, but we just touched on that, on having a saved uh, church membership and, and dealt with it as far as what we believe in salvation. Let me remind us of some of the things that even though we believe they take place simultaneously, the Lord puts them into an order of um, progression that takes place at the moment of salvation. It's up to us to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Now, before that happens, we understand according to the Scriptures that the Holy Spirit of God must draw someone to salvation. The Holy Spirit does the work of, of drawing, of speaking to someone's heart. I'm using some Bible terms to try to get a point across. The Bible says that, that um, if, if Christ be lifted up from the earth, He will draw all men unto Himself. So there is a, a working in the heart, that sparking, that desiring something. I want to know more about this. I need to find out more. I'm asking questions. We don't understand that all at first as a drawing of the Holy Spirit or conviction taking place, but that's what the Bible explains is happening, okay? And so I'm all for some people don't get saved the, the first time they hear the gospel. They're asking questions. They're inquiring. Hey, that's wonderful. I, I praise the Lord for that. And uh, we ought to answer questions according to the scriptures, okay? So the Holy Spirit does the drawing for salvation, and then we do the believing 
for salvation, okay? We're reminded what the Bible says when we get over into Romans 10. Don't turn there. I'm just giving a progression here. That, uh, that, um, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. There is a believing that we do, okay, for salvation. Now, once we believe, boy, it is amazing the things that take place in our heart and life according to the Scriptures, Okay? Once we believe, the Bible says that we are adopted into the family of God. And I'm thankful for that, okay? But uh, the Bible tells us in John 1, But as many as receive him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, to as many as believe on his name, okay? Adoption is only for those that have believed upon the Lord. And then we know, and I'll read this to us. You don't have to turn there. It's talking about the progression in Galatians chapter number 4 as we look at it. It says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that are under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Okay? And because ye are sons, so because we've believed, because we've been adopted into the family of God, okay? Because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, okay? So we believe we're adopted into the family of God. Because we're adopted in the family of God, we receive the Holy Spirit of God uh, living inside of us, dwelling in us. And uh, what a blessing as God puts this all together for us through Scripture. Also at the point of salvation, we'll deal with this a little bit later, we are justified. That word justified, it's actually a, a, an accounting term that is used, that it actually means declared right. And uh, boy, I'm thankful that in the eyes of God, at the moment of salvation, we're declared right. The, the books have been balanced. And uh, I'm thankful for it. But also one of the other terms that's used, something that happens to us, and this is not just at the moment of salvation, but this is actually progressive through our Christian life, is this matter of sanctification. Have I thrown out enough terms to us this morning that you're sitting there confused now? I want to look at this matter of sanctification because this is where religions all around the world actually get things backwards, okay? Is this matter of sanctification. Now, you say, Pastor, what is to sanctify? What is sanctification? What's the very definition of that term? And we go back and we could read a lot of definitions to us, okay? If you go back, the very simplest of terms to sanctify means to make holy or to set apart, okay? The earliest terms that we have in the Bible back in the book of Exodus where the word sanctify, that word was used. We have sanctification all the way through, but where sanctify was actually used, it was in a physical term to actually set apart 
for a specific purpose. So we could say this, let's bring it over into maybe a, a, an example or an illustration that, that we would understand. Um, how many of us growing up, and I grew up in church, and this is probably one of the things, one of the phrases I don't like to use now in our household, but uh, my mom would make cookies. How many here ever had a mom or you've made cookies for a church function or something? Okay, and uh, have all these fresh baked cookies already set aside, and I walk by and try to take a cookie, or I ask for a cookie, and my mom would usually say something like this, you can't have that, that's for the church people. What am I? I'm part of the church. My dad's the pastor of the church. It's just a matter of a few hours before I get there when it's perfectly legal. Here's what she's saying. Those ones have been set aside to be able to take. Now, here's what usually followed up. You can have one of these. You know what happened to those? Someone tell me. They were burnt. They stayed in the oven a little bit too long. They didn't come out right, however it was. Or they dropped on the floor and she wiped them off. I had a mom that believed in the five-second rule. Okay? Well, you can have one of these. But these ones have been set aside. That in the simplest of forms, when we start talking about this subject matter of being sanctified, being set apart, or the doctrine of sanctification in our lives. It's that principle, that doctrine, that practice, I'll say this, of being set aside. Now, here's the thing. For a specific purpose, okay? Never once were there cookies that were baked in our house and just put up into the cupboard and never used for anything, okay? But these ones were set aside for a specific purpose. I became an expert, and all my parents are in heaven today, and uh, so I don't think they're listening this afternoon. But uh, you can learn how to, when they're all arranged on a plate, to be able to take one out and then be able to rearrange them so it doesn't look like you took one off. And, uh, and so you become an expert at that, okay? So we're going to look at this subject matter of sanctification and what the Scriptures say, okay? Because can I encourage us and remind us of this, that the subject matter of being sanctified is a Bible doctrine that God desires for each and every one of us, okay? Now you say, well, pastor, you made mention that religions around this world actually get this backwards. And they do. Here's why. The Bible teaches us that once we get saved, that the process of sanctification begins, okay? Now, when you start looking, and, and I'll, I'll simply say sanctification is this. It's actually a cleaning up. It's a becoming holy, okay, and set apart for the Lord. Now, what religions try to do today, and you can name any of the religions, is they try to say, well, why don't you get cleaned up first? 
Okay. Can I use a very physical illustration? I made mention in the service this morning about fishing. How many here enjoy fishing? Okay. How many enjoy catching fish? Okay. Those are two separate things I found out as I went out. Okay. I can be out there all day long and I say it's fishing, kind of like going hunting. No, I went sitting. I didn't go hunting. I went sitting. Okay. Let me ask you this. How many have ever cleaned a fish? How many refuse to clean a fish? Okay. Hey, you'll catch them all day long, but someone else is cleaning them. Okay. Now, here's what I've found out. Here's what religion tries to do. How many have ever cleaned a fish before you caught it? Can't do it. You, uh, you, Pastor, that's crazy. Why are you even asking that question? Here's what religion tries to do. Before we even have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, religion is trying to look at us and saying, hey, why don't you clean up your act first? Why don't you try to do and do and do and, and try to accomplish all of these things? Listen, that is impossible for us to do. Do you understand when the Ten Commandments were given? Do you understand all the commandments in the Old Testament were just given to us? Yes, to, were given to the nation of Israel to be able to live holy and righteous. But the purpose of all of that was to show that they couldn't keep them. All it was, according to the Bible, the Bible calls it in Galatians, a schoolmaster to bring us to repentance. How many would be able to say today, as you sit here, that in your life you have kept all the Ten Commandments? Listen, I can't even put my hand up on that. We can't do that. But what religion tries to say is, okay, why don't you try to do your best... Why don't you try to do these good works and these good works? And isn't it amazing? It's always the good works that they put down on a list. And it's not even the good works that we go to and, and actually look at some of these in the Scriptures because they can't have the Scriptures as their authority because it would actually change their entire theology and their doctrine. So we have this matter of sanctification that is backwards from what the world tells us. Religion says, clean up your act and start living right, and then maybe God will love you and be able to give unto you eternal life. What the Bible teaches us is that, okay, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then he tells us, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, are you still in John? Stay there. Then he tells us in 2 Corinthians, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Some people want to clean up their whole life and try to get everything right and then say, okay, I'll trust Christ. We can't do that in the power of our flesh. Just try to talk to someone who's trying to get rid of a stronghold or an addiction in their life without Jesus. Now, it can be done, but then they'll say for the next 30 years that they're still recovering. And I'm thinking with Jesus, you're, you're made free. And you're free from those things. And so the Bible teaches us you give your heart and life over to the Lord, and then the Lord cleans us up. How many are thankful that God cleans us up as a person? There are some things in people's lives that outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, they never would have gotten rid of. We have former drug addicts that are here today. We have former alcoholics that are here today, okay? We have, I'm not going to go on with the list of sins. 
Do you know how they got victory over those things? It's through the Lord. And God gave victory over those things. Okay? So let me say it is the desire. So you say, well, pastor, I want a clean life. I want a holy life. This is a process that the Holy Spirit of God does in our hearts and lives. So I want you to see this first. You say, how does it happen? Okay? So let's start with this. We're in John chapter 17. And I want you to see, most of you, if you have a, a Bible, it may be a, a, what they call a red letter edition Bible. Okay? So as you look at John chapter 17, it is the majority of it written in red? Okay, you know what that means? That means that they've looked at it, whoever printed that Bible, and said these are actually the words of Jesus. Okay, so look at verse number 1, and we can set the context here. The Bible says in verse number 1, these words spake Jesus. Okay, so that gets it pretty simple for us as you read through John 17. And lifted up his eyes to heaven and said. So beginning right there with the word Father. This is actually a recorded prayer that we have of Jesus praying to his heavenly Father. Okay, so what you have that that follows down through there, we're not going to read the entire uh, chapter of Scripture, but all the way down to verse number 26, the end of the chapter is where the end of the prayer is. That's where it's broken there, because in chapter 18, it starts off with when Jesus had spoken these words. Okay, so we're actually given some intimate details of the prayer life of Jesus. Now, I want to come down in the middle of the prayer, and I want you to see this. Uh, Let's start back a couple verses in verse number 15, okay? Here's what we're going to read. John 16, verse number 15. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. A little while, excuse me, I turned back two pages. You're probably wondering where I'm reading. When I turned back to begin the chapter 17, it took two pages with me. And actually, it was verse 15 on the bottom of that page. And so verse 15, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Look at verse 17. Sanctify them through thy truth... Thy word is truth. Now we'll keep reading in just a moment. To set the context of Scripture, guess who Jesus is praying for here in these verses of Scripture? He's praying for the disciples, and in turn, he's praying for us, okay? All that the Lord has given to him, okay? So he's praying for the disciples specifically, praying for us in return. So we look down through here. How many have ever made the statement that it would be better if we were just taken out of this world and and taken up to heaven? Okay? Can I say that's not what Jesus was praying? It says here in verse number uh, 15 that we read, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world but that thou shouldest keep them from evil. Do you know that the Lord has a purpose for us being here in this world? 
Now, here's one of the greatest truths that anybody can ever settle in their hearts and lives, no matter what questions they have in life. If they can settle it, that God has a purpose and a plan for their life. That God cares enough about you as an individual to actually think about you, to be able to have a purpose and have a plan. That's why he leaves us here. So I'll make it personal with me. What is the purpose that God has for my life for being left here in this world? Now listen, on the surface, he has a purpose for me to be the pastor of Granite State Baptist Church. He has something for me to accomplish, okay? Has a purpose, has a plan. Yes, all of it is to be able to glorify and exalt the Lord Jesus Christ with our entire lives. God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for you. That's why at the moment of salvation, when we trust Christ as our Savior, that He does not just take us out of here and we get to go to heaven. Can I say Paul even desired that? He even said, I'm I'm betwixt the two. I'm caught between the two. Because to depart is far better. How many would say being in heaven is a whole lot better than being here on the earth, okay? From what we read in the scriptures, boy, it'd be a whole lot better to be there. But here's what Paul said after that. He said, to depart is far better. But to remain, he said, that's far better for you. He said, God has a purpose for my life. And he said, to be able to be here, he said, it's more beneficial for someone else, be able to point them to the Lord Jesus Christ, be able to exalt Christ in his life. So Jesus wasn't praying for us to leave this world, okay? He was praying. He said, don't take them out of the world, but deliver them from evil. Verse 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Now you say, Pastor, what are these verses saying? Do you understand at the moment of salvation... I just made mention a little while ago, I I mentioned about John chapter 1, that we actually become the child of God at salvation. That means that our residency and our roots are not down here on this earth. Okay? This is not where my eternal family lives. Guess where they live? Heaven. That's where I'm heading to. Okay, I have the assurance. Listen, um, we were talking in Sunday school this morning about uh, the first um, devotion that we went through overcoming seasons of sorrow. And so in my life, and I'm trying to be a little more transparent with the Sunday school class, maybe they don't have to be as transparent. But I said one of the seasons that, that I looked back over my life of sorrow that I went through is in just before I went back for my senior year of college, in five weeks' time, um, our family buried my mom and her two parents, all in a matter of five weeks, completely unrelated. But in a matter of five weeks, going through three funerals of my two grandparents and my mom. In fact, we had one funeral, I think two or three days after, My mom had just passed away, so before we could have her funeral, we just went to the grandparents' funeral in a matter of a few days. So we think about these things, and we say, boy, it would just be better if we were taken out of here. No, 
we understand those that have passed on before us that are saved, we have heaven that's waiting for us, okay? And so when Jesus is saying, listen, they're not of this world. Can I say, we sing the song, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through, okay? This world is temporary right here. How many here have ever known someone that has died? Just about all of us have, right? So then the question is, okay, what happens afterwards? Eternity is a whole lot longer than just the years that we spend here on this earth, okay? So we understand looking at these things, when Jesus says that he's not of this world, he's from another place, isn't he? And he's reminding us that we as his children, listen, this is not the end for us. As soon as we trust Christ as our, our Savior, the things of this world, listen, they're, they're, not, they're not ours anymore. This is not all that we have. We have heaven that's waiting for us. So then he says this in verse number 17 that we read. He says, sanctify them. So if we are not of this world, can I say that we ought to be separate from this world? Okay? So he says to sanctify them. How many have ever seen someone and you could tell from talking to them, from watching them, examining them, okay, you see in their life they just seem different than everybody else? Anybody ever run into somebody like that? Did you ever find out that it was because they were a Christian? Okay. Can I remind us of this? God desires for His children to be different than the children of this world. Now, I know this doctrine of sanctification, where we actually try today, well, I, I think I ought to look like everybody else, talk like everybody else, do what everybody else does, because then I can show them that I'm one of them and maybe I can win them to the Lord. Why would they need Jesus if we're not different? So let me say this. Why, do, why would people need Granite State Baptist Church if we're just like everything the world has to offer? Can I say this? You'll never walk into Granite State Baptist Church and have a rock concert on Sunday morning. You say, well, why is that? Well, I believe church ought to be different than what the world has to offer. Okay? And you say, well, why don't you try to attract the young people and the young adults and the young families? Well, so I try to think about how they think. And if I'm just going to get up on Sunday morning and go to a rock concert, guess what? I'm going to go on Saturday night and sleep in on Sunday morning. Why am I going to get up and go? Okay? I think things ought to be different. And so the Bible preaches and teaches that God's people ought to be different than the people of the world, okay? So we start looking at this subject matter, and I'm not talking about that, that you ought to look so odd that, that we're the, the laughing stock of everybody, okay? I'm not talking about that. There's nothing wrong. Some people take it, take it so far, well, I, I can't dress fashionable then. No, there's nothing wrong with dressing nice. There's nothing wrong with looking nice, but I'm saying our talk ought to be different. Our attitude ought to be different. I'll say that, and this is in my life, 
when I pull up to a stoplight and someone's sitting beside me in their car, I think my music ought to be different. And I'm even careful of what I've got playing on my speakers when I see someone walking by saying, would they think that's different? You say, Pastor, that's just taking it too far. That's just what God's spoken to my heart about. So we see this in Jesus' praise, talking about staying in the world, but keep them from evil. He says to sanctify them. And here's what his prayer request was. Sanctify them, set them apart, make them different. But how? So let me ask you something as we look at this verse of Scripture. Well, we need to go by a whole list that the church puts out then. And if I'm going to be different from the world, then I need to do everything with the church. Hopefully that would be the case, but that's not what the Bible says. I want you to see this, sanctify them. Here's what the Bible says, through thy truth. And then just to be able to clarify exactly what he's speaking of here, he says, thy word is truth. Guess how we're going to be different than from those that are out in the world. And I'm not saying we as Granite State Baptist. I'm talking about we as Christians. How are we going to be different than those that are out in the world and know nothing about Jesus? We're going to be different by living according to the Word of God. 100%, that's how we're going to be different. Now, I need to live a sanctified life. So, pastor, you tell me what to do and that's what I'm going to do. No, that's not what I'm going to do. What I'm going to do is sit down with the Word of God. And I'm going to say, listen, you want to live a sanctified life? You want to be set apart from the world? There ought to be a difference. I believe our young people, there ought to be a difference in our teenagers than those that are hanging out on the street corner down there getting into trouble. I believe there ought to be a difference. If they profess the name of Christ then they ought to be different than the world. They ought not to be living like the world. They ought not to be dressing like the world, acting like the world. There ought to be a difference there. That the world can look at our lives as children of God in areas and be able to say there's a difference. If there isn't, there's something wrong and we're not sanctified. So we look at this matter. It's going to come from the Word of God. You say, well, that's one verse. Well, turn over with me to Ephesians chapter number 5. Ephesians chapter number 5. I'm not quite going to get as far as what I wanted to this afternoon. Ephesians chapter number 5. Verse number 25. He says, Husbands... Who's he talking to there, by the way? Okay. Husbands, love your wives. And all the wives said, Amen. Husbands, love your wives. How are we supposed to do that? Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Verse 26. That he might sanctify. What does sanctify mean? Set it apart to make holy. That he might sanctify and cleanse it. With what? With the washing of water by the word. May I remind us that if we are going to be set apart, 
as a child of God, it is going to come by obedience to the Word of God. Obedience to the Word of God. Now, all these things that take place at salvation, yes, we are justified. Yes, we are sanctified. We are glorified. We are adopted. All these things. And you say salvation can get pretty confusing. Not when you just look at what the Bible says. It's pretty simple, okay? But can I say this? As we look at sanctification, I believe sanctification, according to the Scriptures, is a process that takes time. How many here are, and I know, listen, I believe we probably have some that are here and you would be willing to say and just admit it to everybody that you're perfect today. <laughs> Nobody? That, oh, that would get rid of your humility, wouldn't it? I gave an invitation one time and I thought, man, Brother Jury, I thought I had everybody in the audience. I said, man, everybody's going to be at the altar. And I asked this simple question and I said, how many of you right now, you would say 100% you are exactly right with God? Right now, 100% hand went up. I thought, wow, can you come shake my hand and tell me how you do that, okay? I mean, 100% perfect and right, not one thing wrong in their life. And I'm like, they even had the intestinal fortitude to admit it. And I thought, that's not us. Now, let me ask you this. How many, since you've gotten saved and become a child of God, how many of you have less sin in your life than what you had when you started? Okay? Now my hand would have to go up, okay? There's a process of sanctification. That means we continually become like Christ. Guess what? There's some that have sin in their life right now that God's working on that. You know what I've found out? It's a whole lot better to let God work on it than for me to try to work on it. And there are some that know they have sin in their life and they're not even letting God work on it. They're just living in sin on a regular basis. Listen, that's not sanctification. And if you are a child of God, guess what? I feel real sorry for you. Because when the judgment of God comes because of sin and chastening in your life, when he's trying to clean you up, there's not one fish I ever clean that didn't go through some cutting and some descaling and just went through it. Hey, you say, boy, that's not pleasant. Imagine being the fish. But I thought, listen, there's a process God puts us through called sanctification. Now, here's where we go wrong. We try to do a lot of this just in our own power. Okay? We try to say, I can do this. Instead of saying, Lord, would you do this through me? That's why he comes back to sanctify them, set them apart, clean them up, make them holy, set them apart for God, make them different through thy word. Because I found out this, when someone does something because the word told them to, it kind of makes a difference in their life other than just pastor told them to. Now, we can give an entire list, and every one of us would probably have things that God's worked upon our lives on things that, that 
we don't have in our lives today or things that we do have in our lives today as God is sanctifying us, setting us apart for His purpose and for His plan. Now let me remind us all of this. Sanctification doesn't start until we become a child of God. So sometimes we look out and we see people, hey, they're living in sin and sin is abounding in their life and they're full of sin, full of rebellion. You know, sometimes there's a reason for that. It's because they're not a child of God. You know what I've found out? You say, how wicked can the world get? How many believe that, boy, it's just wickedness out there in that world? Guess what? They're just acting like sinners. That's how sinners act. Now, the problem is, is when the actions and the sin of the world make it into God's children and God's people, and then they're acting like the world. It ought not to be. There ought to be something different. We ought to be sanctified, that God desires to set our lives apart for His honor and for His glory. So let me ask this. It is a process, so I wonder what steps lately. Now for some, this matter of sanctification, okay, and get to know that term, sanctification. Sometimes this matter of sanctification is just taking steps that I'm going to be in church a little bit more. You know what that's doing? That's separating us from the things of this world. So I'll use this example without giving a name to it. There's someone who, who's made the commitment and said, I'm going to be in church a little bit more. And someone asked him this week, said they were talking about work and said, I've got to work all these days, all these days, all these days, and all the way through. And someone tried to catch him and say, well, there, there's work to do on Sunday. What about church? And he said, oh, no, I'll be in church. Don't worry about that, but there's work I can do later. Can I say this? That's, that's, even, that's even a step of sanctification, of saying, hey, at least God's doing a process. God's working on things. And, boy, it's so wonderful. I, I, I love experiencing new Christians when God is doing the work of sanctification in their life. Can I give you a simple one? Usually God starts to clean up the mouth. How many here would be able to testify, not literally, okay, <laughs> uh, that God did some cleaning up on a mouth? Okay, so there's, there's a few here. I was going to see how many ladies' hands went up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, there, there's been some that, that listen, God, God did some cleaning up of the mouth, okay? Some would say they were, they were cussing like a sailor. Sailors always get the bad rap on all of it. Maybe sailors are just cussing like everybody else, right? And uh, so maybe they had it backwards. But I, I love it when the, the work of sanctification begins to, begins to come and God starts doing a work inside of a new Christian because all of a sudden it's almost like they're searching for a word, because what they would usually say at that moment, they just know they're not. They shouldn't be saying it anymore. I mean, what they usually comes out of their mouth, they're like, and they don't know what to say. And and I sit back and listen. I don't laugh at that. I sit back and I say, you know, that's just the work of sanctification. God's doing something in their heart and life, and we sit back and rejoice at it. How many have ever failed at God's work of sanctification? 
<laughs> that's like God's trying to do something, and we know, hey, that's not it. That's not how I'm supposed to be. But boy, then we find it. Oh, man. And then God's so gracious and comes back and continues the work. Okay? I'll give another very physical illustration to be able to understand this. The walking in a Christian life is not starting off the first day and you have 100% right and you're running the marathon. Okay? I don't know of one baby that the first step they ever took, they walked the entire length of the house and climbed up the stairs, turned around, walked back down the stairs and just never fell down again. Can I say the work of sanctification in our lives that God is doing? It is baby steps that He allows us to be able to take. And guess what? There's times as we start this Christian walk, we fall down once in a while. I'm not excusing that. I'm not saying God's okay with that. If it's sin, we still confess it, repent of it, and then get up and keep walking again, okay? But what I am saying is, listen, this is a process in our lives. So you say, Pastor, what do we do about this sanctification? I'll say with this, make sure you're spending time right here. Remember this statement, it's been said over and over and over again, that sin will keep you from this book, or this book will keep you from sin. And I found out this, the more you're in here, the less sin there'll be in your life. Okay? So you say, well, I want, I, I want the, the expedited course on sanctification. Get in the book. Okay? You say, but Pastor, man, okay, tell me everything I need to know so that I can have it done this week. I wish, but then you're just going to be doing it because Pastor said to do it. And I don't want it that way. That's not the desire of my heart. The desire of my heart is that we have a church full of sanctified people who are sanctified and set apart because they're in the Word of God. And they're just simply obeying the Scriptures. So why do you do such and such? Well, there's a principle in the Word of God, and here's why I do this. I've told in our family, and... If you want to try to challenge it, you might be able to catch me on something. I've tried for every principle that I have in, in my life or our family's life that I can come back to the Word of God and be able to show you why we do it. Because I want it to come from Scripture. I don't want it to come from my pastor because a pastor may change. I don't want it to come from family because family may change. My salvation is based upon the Word of God. My service for Him is based upon the Word of God. My sanctification is based upon the Word of God. The more and more time you spend in the Bible, the more sanctified you'll become. Not in a prideful way, just set apart from the world and just saying, you know, I I just want time with Jesus. So we're going to keep digging into this a little bit more. If I confused you enough for the first afternoon, sanctified. Can I say this? Just have a desire in your heart to be set apart from the world, to be different from the world. If you never trusted Christ as your Savior, can I say that's where it starts? 
If you're living in sin right now and there is no conviction, you might need to start with salvation. I'll just take it a step further. You do need to start with salvation. You do. If, you're not, if there's not a process of sanctification going on in your life, some, something major is wrong. We do not get saved and never change. We don't. God does a work in our hearts and lives, and that's called sanctification. Some don't understand it at the beginning. I just can't enjoy the things. I had someone tell me they used to go to the bar every Friday night, and then something happened. They got saved. And you know what they did for the first Friday night after salvation? They went to the bar. And they sat down there, and their regulars put in front of them. He said, but all of a sudden, he said, it just, and you know what he did? He picked it up and drank it. <gasps> he said it didn't taste the same as what it did the Friday night before. He said, just like something inside of me was saying, nah, that's not, that's not good, is it? He said, I put that down, turned around and walked out. He said, I never went back. He said, I never enjoyed it. Never enjoyed it. You say, well, what's wrong with me then? Maybe God's trying to get you there. It doesn't happen that quick for everybody. But for some, God takes care of some things with the strength. Some have a problem with gossiping and running their mouth and lying. might just take a little bit longer. God gives them victory over it. That's the process of sanctification in our lives. Sanctification, I believe, be summarized with this. And I'm going to pray. Just becoming more like Christ. More like Christ. Amen. So we're going to look at this. Don't miss it as we're going through and looking at this matter of sanctification, okay?